0: Thank you. All right. Welcome everybody
1: to the Wednesday evening edition of the Miracle Hour. And uh, my name is Jim, I am hosted by a school for A Course in Miracles. Thank you so much Lynn and Tim for being the host, providing this powerful support network for us through COVID and beyond. Uh, Really do appreciate it personally too um so this evening we have a topic which um the topic is projection makes perception projection makes perception it, and it's a it's a pretty well like uh um embedded topic in the whole course it's it's uh mentioned early as um as the research pointed out, Tim and Lynn did a bunch of research and and uh, it, it is mentioned early in the course. And it, it seems to be one of those things I've always thought of, especially with the alliteration. Hey, John, with the alliteration involved in the, it was like, oh, this has to be prophetic because it has alliteration, right? It's like projection makes perception. So, but I, I found that I never really gave it the full merit like the full sort of study that, that I think it probably deserves up front. It probably uh, would save a lot of time if, if I'd had gotten that concept earlier, earlier in my work and, and just to, to, actually, to, to actually settle on that. I think it would have saved a lot of time for me realizing that it's just exactly backwards is what we see we see things exactly backwards and upside down 180 degrees. And there is a very purposive reason for that, which we're we're gonna go into in a minute. Um, First off, I'd like to to start out by um, reading from the text. We're We're gonna start out in chapter 21 Uh, right in the introduction, which is reason and perception. But if you will skip forward for a couple of pages with me to page 447 of the text. Um, Page 447 of the text, and just as an opening reading, um, Lynn, would you mind doing that? Would be paragraph 7 and then skip to paragraph 10 on page 447 of the text. It's uh, paragraph 7 and 10.
2: Got it. Got it. Mm. The notes are nothing. Mm. Yet you have kept them with you, not for themselves, but as a soft reminder of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you are afraid, believing you would lose the world you learned since then. And yet you know that nothing in the world you learned is half so dear as this. Listen and see if you remember an ancient melody you taught yourself to cherish since excuse me, listen and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. And now the blind can see. For that same song they sing in honor of their creator gives praise to them as well the blindness that they made will not withstand the memory of this song. And they will look upon the vision of the Son of God, remembering who he is they sing of. What is a miracle but this remembering? And who is there in whom this memory lies not? The light in one awakens it in all. And when you see it in your brother, you are remembering for everyone.
1: Thank you, Lynn. We'll just be with God for just a minute.
0: Gently, gently come back to the room.
1: And I, you know, I thought that that particular passage was actually taken from the chat, from the section called The Forgotten Song. How appropriate that is. The Forgotten Song. Okay. So, what I'd like to do is we're looking at chapter 21, which is page 445. We're going back a couple of pages to 445, and just just to look at this introduction again, and 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 just see just so many beautiful things came out of it when I reread it, and I thought this this right here was just was just everything. It's it's. It's certainly, you know, everything that the course embodies right there in the introduction. Um, Chapter 21, Reason and Perception.
0: Introduction. Projection makes perception. This is particularly interesting the way these, these, these
1: next three senses are worded. The world you see is what
0: you gave it. Nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you, it is important. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that. So... It is important to us, because we've assigned it importance um, the
1: importance of of learning everything we've taught ourselves
0: uh, since the beginning of time, everything that we've taught ourselves to to be
1: in um, in form so it is important to us. And that's the, that's the world we live in. We do live in that world, um, with occasional holy instants interspersed to, uh, to give us hope and, uh, and to give us, to guide us along the right path. Um, it is the witness to your state of mind. We've heard this all a thousand times, the outside picture of an inward condition. As a man, line
0: six, as a man thinketh, so does he perceive. And that's exactly how we, how we see the world through the body's eyes as a man thinketh. Therefore, therefore, The recommendation, seek not to change
1: the world, but to, but choose to change your mind about the
0: world. So, perception is a result and not a cause.
1: And this is, this is the, I'm not sure why it took me so long to get this, that, you know, that, that, um. The difference between a cause and an effect and so perception is a result it's not the cause it's the result of our thinking in the wrong mind and and it's not the cause of the world that we see which that's how we largely think it is it is largely the world that we see but it is not it is actually something we've derived so this is correct projection makes perception means that it was actually derived somehow that it's not it's not like it just happened to be the same it was derived through through projection that our our, our perception of the world um I did a little study on cause and effect which was really really helpful for me to to to, to see this clearly um, the text in chapter 21 talks about it and says quite simply that this is a course in cause and not effect. This is entirely a course in
0: cause and not in, not effect. Um, When you miscreate, you are in pain. This is from the check, the text chapter two.
1: When you miscreate, miscreate, a a great term, you miscreate, you are in pain. It's another way of saying you make make a mistake. You miscreate it. Um, You are in pain. The cause and effect principle now becomes a real expediter, though only temporarily, actually, cause, in quotes, cause is a term proper, properly belonging to god and his effect in quotes is his son so that's really all there is that's that's that is all there is is the is the the father the cause and are us his effects um and that's reality. That's atonement. That's, that's where we're at. That is what the, that's where we really do sit. Um, this entails a set of cause and effect relationships, totally different from those you introduced into miscreation. So in the, in the act of miscreating, in the, we, we've totally totally reversed at 180 degrees, total flip, total, totally. um, That actually, and that's why I I like the term miscreation because it, it, it incurs more of a correction than, than, than a sin. So miscreation is something that, that, that we did. Um, But of course we can always choose again. Um, The text in chapter three says the choice, literally the choice, it's a choice to judge rather than to know is the cause of the loss of peace. So our choosing to judge rather than to know is the cause of our lack of peace, our loss of peace. One of the
0: illusions from which you suffer is the belief that what you judged against has no effect. So, so what we judge has no effect. This cannot
1: be true unless you also believe that what you judged against
0: does not exist. So, um, I think obviously of illusion and illusion that you know, the,
1: all everything that is going on in our brain is—we're talking about illusions—and a thousand different variations of an illusion is still going to be illusion, and nothing we can do is going to is going to actually impact anything because it's working. It's it's an illusion. So absolutely nothing we can do in
0: time could possibly have any effect on it because it's all made up to begin with. This
1: cannot be true unless you also believe that what you judged against does not exist. You evidently do not believe this or you would not have judged against it. So we've made it something certainly to judge against. We have to make it something. It exists. It's real. It's a threat to us in body. And so we judge against it appropriately with that mindset. So um, to be able to see it from that standpoint of everything, everything in the world that we've created is, a, just, an, is a, just another form of illusion. And we're, not, we're, we're, we're just not moving it anywhere by trying to jump from one to the other. And you can do that as long as you like, but it'll never be uh, fulfilling because it's an illusion. And so um, looking at it from that way, it's like, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, that easily, that makes intellectual sense. Um, Perception is a result and not a cause. And that is why order of difficulty and miracles is meaningless. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no
0: meaning, there is chaos. And I I think we're all pretty familiar with that. Anybody have anything Cause and effect, perception, projection
1: makes perception. Anything come up for anybody? Well,
3: oh, just that? Uh, vision. What's it say? Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. That's an interesting one.
1: Yeah, Christ's vision, obviously. Yeah. Which we we have to humbly, you know, we do have to ask for that. I I think we have to be we have to be willing to not judge for that to come forth.
3: So I'm imagining when you're looking at vision, you're looking at the real world versus anything else. Yeah, so it would be healed and holy.
1: Yeah, and and exactly the, the what, what I wanted to get to to next too was, you know, so projection makes perception thoroughly identifies the problem. It's it's great, you know, that's that's the problem. And then gratefully there is a solution too, is where one problem, one solution, which comes along too. Uh, and that's exactly exactly that ross speaking about cross perception
4: are are we willing to to take that to accept that i really like uh ken's metaphor was always sitting in a in a movie theater and you know of course the projector is behind you (laughs) on the you know in the back and it's projecting on the screen and um uh, we get so absorbed in the drama of the movie that part of us, you know, doesn't want to believe it's not real. I mean, You've got to suspend belief a little bit in order to get into the movie. Well, with this screen, <laughs> with this whole world, you know, the projector is our mind. And the mind's projecting one of two thoughts. And then we run around down here <laughs> seeing the result of one of those two projections on this screen of the world. So, um, yeah, I I mean, you know, it's like it's when you're when you I think when I read a sentence like, sentence like projection makes perception, that metaphor of what's what I'm perceiving, not so much specifically what I'm perceiving, but but what really what in this in this world that I think I'm seeing, who are the bad guys and who, who are the victimizers and who are the victims? Like watching a movie, you're not going to watch a movie unless it's got drama, unless it's got victims and victimizers, heroes and villains. Somehow there's a you know resolving or not always always, but in the movie you you know you get into the drama. Well, here it's like it, it's not so much we see stick figures bodies running around, but we're always trying to figure out who the villain is, who the victimizer is. But that that idea of that search for a victimizer is being projected from our wrong mind, If if I'm choosing the ego as my teacher. Of course, if I choose the Holy Spirit as my teacher, then like Jim was saying, it, it becomes i don 't really see bodies as holy, but I, I I see the holiness beyond the bodies. I have an experience that you 're holy and i 'm holy no matter what we do or or don 't do. so in that sense that that right mind gets projected onto the world too world 's just a mirror when we 're doing it with the Holy Spirit, we know it 's a mirror when we 're doing the world with the ego, <laughs> we have no idea we 're just watching a movie. <laughs> We have no idea; it's all made up. <laughs> we we take it quite seriously. <laughs> That's why we're watching it, <laughs> and we want to take it seriously. Yeah, Raylene asked that question the other day about cause and effect that Jim was talking about. Like like when we're with the Holy Spirit and we're looking at the world, we know what we see is a, is being caused by the mind. But when we're looking at the world <laughs> through the eyes of the ego, we we flip cause and effect. We think, we think the cause is everything that's happened in the world and the effect is what we feel. You know, our response to the victim-victimizer routine. We think it's being caused by what we see in the world. We don't realize it's coming from our wrong mind. That's why I think the chart is so helpful. It really it puts... And it puts in perspective what projection makes perception mean. Perception is a body. Perception believing I am a body and I'm seeing stuff out here. That is affecting me. Not having any idea it's being projected from this movie projector back here. It's a really simple metaphor, but it, it works. <laughs> I mean, it works pretty well. Yeah.
3: Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Uh, thank you, Ross. Another course student talked about shifting your perspective so that you see it like a book. In other words, I could take the book of Ross and put it up on the shelf, and it's just a book. I can flip to any page. Time doesn't exist. Will Ross be enlightened? Let's flip to the end and find out. It's just a book, it's a story. There is no Ross that's going to be enlightened. Put the book away. And so anyway, the book metaphor.
1: Yeah, great. When when we're talking about that, whatever you do in an illusion really doesn't matter. You know, it fundamentally has no, no impact on anything because it's still an illusion. Whatever we do in the dream really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if we choose forgiveness and that would usher in. What would usher in the final dream, or the dream that you know the the dream that takes away all the other
0: dreams? Yeah, really good. Anybody else? So there is a reason, you, you know. And Tim and Lynn had done this um, research
1: earlier and had to just beautifully explain. There, there is a reason in it, and, and there is a purpose of projection, and it is twofold. Um, number one, projection maintains our chosen belief that we are separate from God our Father. So it, it, it not only it reinforces that decision that, oh, we are really a separate being out here in this world, you know, just making it on our own that it, it reinforces that belief uh, is, is the, the first part. And the second part is we project to displace the source of pain outward. So onto other bodies, creation of the world. That's, that's the, 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 the second purpose for projection is that it, it is actually twofold. You know, one, maintain our chosen belief, we're separate separate from God and two we can project or displace the source of pain outward. Very, very painful. We do not
0: know what to do with that. Uh, And, um, the, uh, um, so, so it is purposive
1: obviously. Um, and, uh, the uh cause and effect and again we're gonna as as i said that thoroughly identifies the problem you know the the one problem that we have that you know has separated minds that's the one problem and that that thoroughly identifies it um and so getting back to page 445 is uh paragraph two under the introduction Damnation is your judgment on yourself, and this you will project upon the world. See it as damned, and all you see is what you did to hurt the Son of God. If you behold disaster and catastrophe, you tried to crucify him. If you see holiness and hope, you join the will of God to set him free. There is no choice that lies between these two decisions. And I think that's what Tim
0: was reinforcing is it's one or the other, heaven or hell. We're going to choose to, we're going to choose damnation or we're going to choose salvation.
1: And And there is nothing between those two, which is actually good news. And you will see the witness to the choice you made and learn from this to recognize which one you chose. Am I at peace or am I not? The world you see, but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. I just thought that, that line I thought just thought was so beautiful. It just, it just struck me this time as, You know, as like just so eloquent and so perfect for describing how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And it is this, and if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. So we know intellectually that the power to give it joy does lie within us.
0: Yet do we often, do we often feel enabled to make that choice? Um,
1: now, the, uh, what I call this solution. So we've thoroughly identified where the, the, the problem generated in our mind. And now... The solution, of course, is in our mind as well, the one solution. And for that, I'd like to visit Lesson 187 in the workbook, Lesson 187, which is actually
0: on page 354 of the workbook. I bless
1: the world because I bless myself and starts off right with the the basic premise no one can give unless he has Um, in fact giving is proof of having Uh, so in in a worldly sense you know this this is these two these two correlate both worldly and in the right mind we have made this point before what seems to make it hard to credit is not this no one can doubt that you must first possess what you would give. It is the fe- second phase on which the world and true perception differ. Having had and given, then the world asserts that you have lost what you possessed. The truth remains that giving will increase what you possess. So giving of an idea is
0: obviously sharing giving of an idea is obviously different, different law altogether. Um, How is this possible? Paragraph two, how is this possible? Um, For it is sure that if you give a finite
1: thing away, your body's eyes will not perceive, perceive it yours. And that's obvious in the world. Uh, Yet we have learned that things but represent the thoughts that make them. So an object or a thing is is a thought with a name twice removed from reality. Um, And then on, on the last sense of that paragraph, it says it must be more. Line seven, nor can the form it takes be less acceptable. It must be more. Ideas, paragraph three, ideas must first belong to you before you give them. If you are to save the world, you first accept salvation for yourself. But you will not believe that this is done until you see the miracles it brings to everyone you look upon.
0: Herein is the idea of giving clarified and given meaning. And
1: love. Uh, Line five, now you can perceive that by your giving is your store increased. So completely breaking with the law of the world that you can perceive by giving is you actually increased. Um, Protect all things you value, paragraph four, protect all things you value by the act of giving them away. And you are sure you will never lose them. What you thought you did not have is thereby proven yours. Yet value not its form. For this will change and grow unrecognizable in time, however much you try to keep it safe. No form endures. It is the thought behind the form of things that lives unchangeable. And as we've we've dealt with a lot recently on the end of sacrifice. This is truly the end of I have to give up something. In my, in my worldly thought, in my in my body thought, I have to give up something, I have to wake up earlier, I have to do more work, I have to do something. There's always a sacrifice, and this this is very foreign to the to to our you know, to the body's eyes is the idea that
0: we, the end of sacrifice, literally, we give up nothing to gain everything.
1: Illusion recognized must disappear. And we must learn to laugh at the idea of sacrifice. And sentence line five on paragraph seven page 355 in the workbook Um, and sacrifice is an idea so mad that sanity dismisses it at once never believe the next paragraph eight never believe that you can sacrifice there is no place for sacrifice in what has any value nothing you could trade for anything of value in this bargain quote unquote, "bargain" So the paragraph 9 jump if you'll jump down there the lilies that your brother offers you are laid upon your altar with the ones you offer him beside them who could fear to look upon such lovely holiness the great illusion of the fear of god diminishes to nothingness before the purity that you will look on here. And then the next line, particularly, particularly important, be not afraid to look. Because it says, if you go in and look, the blessedness you will behold will take away all thought of form and leave instead the perfect gift forever there, forever to increase, forever yours, forever given away.
0: if we're we're not afraid to look, if if, if we can ask for another way, there must be another way.
1: Please, God, show me the way. Show me another way. Please, Holy Spirit. Paragraph 10. Now are we one in thought, and for fear has gone. And here before the altar to one God, one Father, one Creator, and one thought, that's capital T for thought, we stand together as one son of God, not separate from him who is our source. Jump down to paragraph 11. Now are we blessed and now we bless the world. What we have looked upon, we would extend we would see it everywhere we would behold it shining with the grace of god in everyone we would not have it be withheld from anything we look upon and to ensure this holy sight is ours we offer it to everything we see for where we see it it will be returned to us in the form of lilies we can lay upon our altar making it a home for innocence itself. And both innocence and itself are capitalized. Who dwells in us and offers us his holiness as ours.
0: So thankfully there is a way to return. And when we're able to identify the problem, and then
1: squarely ask for um, another interpretation—not uh, judge to judge—to to suspend judgment long enough to ask for another interpretation, we will we will actually see peace. And anything in form. Nothing nothing is above the law that, that will pertain and, 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 and guide this because everything will be straightened out in the end.
0: And that's a wonderful experience when you go through that and realize that, uh, and I'm sure,
1: you know, we've all seen that is we have an unsolvable problem that all of a sudden every little part of it gets worked out and everybody's happy and, you know, um, it's it's like, how did that happen?
0: Really, how did that happen? It looked unsolvable.
4: I've been thinking about um, Ross's metaphor, the book of Ross. The book of Tim. This is the book of us. and <laughs> This is how we became. I mean, this is the book of Ross. <laughs> this is the book of Jim and Tim, et cetera. This is how we got to be thinking we're down here holding the book. <laughs> we projected all this stuff on it. <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Only we can start projecting the course outward, huh? <clears throat> Anybody have anything, anything that came up? Any shares? Yeah, Lynn.
5: Well, I was really struck um, back about that. Everything looked on with vision is healed and holy because I immediately took that to mean that I can look from the perspective of the Holy Spirit and see the world differently than it looks to be right now in my normal everyday way of looking at chaos and confusion and when um, i think it was ross said well that's the real world i've just been sitting here as you were reading all those things realizing that that it is all all of this healing is taking place in my mind it has nothing to do with trying to solve any external condition trying to make some kind of situation work out a certain way or to think that anybody's going to be better if this happens or that happens. It has nothing to do with that. And it's almost, it's taking my, my heart is beating really fast and it's, I'm kind of um, shaking and almost um, dumbstruck by how internal this process, where it's really taking me. I really, you know, it's like intellectually all this time I've been, you know, doing what I'm doing and following the things as best I can, the practice. But I've had always in my mind that it's going to make my life here better. It's going to make the people's lives and my family better. It's going to make the world better. It's going to bring peace and harmony. And people are going to see that it's crazy to fight. And and it's, it has nothing to do with that. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. And I mean, I just, um, I don't know. It's It's staggering to to be getting closer to the implications of this in a very um, personal way, that it's, it's not so much an idea, it's actually something that's taking place inside my mind. And the closer I get to realizing the freedom that's contained, the more I want to go in this direction. And, I, I, you know, it's just... I, I don't have words to say how freeing this feels to me. And I'm
3: just, just change it to the mind or I, the mind. Mm -hmm. Because like, for instance, the fires out here in California are making the sky brown. Well, my mind didn't do that. The mind did that. Ah, Where are you? Where am I? I I pushed pushed the.
4: Ross disappeared. He read that book too much. <laughs> I put it on the shelf. It went poof!
3: No, I can't go poof yet. What? There is no time. Yeah, right. Uh, what do you mean true. yet? That's true.
4: Uh, there is no yet. Yeah. No yet. No I think yet. Tony has some.
6: Um... Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love. I love this, um, the introduction to this chapter, and um, I refer to it a lot, because especially that uh, first paragraph line seven. therefore seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world, and that's so important, because we hear that all the time. People are just want to change things. They want to put a course in miracles book in every, every send it to, to Congress or whatever, and it's going to make a difference, you know, <laughs> but it's not about that. You know, it's how um recognizing where the cause is and withdrawing that, like you said, and things just have a way of working out or not, but it wouldn't matter because it's how we, how we see it, how we perceive it that, um, as a man thinketh, so does he perceive, so, uh, yes, the mind, the mind, you know, made all this, but then, uh, we have to, it's how we interpret it, that, um, you know, whether we're choosing the, the ego or the Holy Spirit as our teacher, so, um, if we can, if this is so important, like Lynn was saying, it really just changes everything, if you can really get that, that, um, it's not being done to us, (laughs) that, you know, it's, uh, we're the ones, the mind that that made all this, and we're just seeing what we put out there, and we're getting back what we put out, so as we change um, switch teachers, then we will see a different picture or at least a different interpretation of what's happening so anyway that's that's all.
1: Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I always like that analogy. It's like like, who are you gonna invite? you know. Are you going to invite the Holy Spirit, or are you going to invite um, the ego? It's like literally, you know, the invitation, like the beginning of your day, the close of your evening, who are you inviting? You know, who do you
4: plan to invite? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> ego buster. <laughs> hey.
1: Yeah. Anybody else say anything else come up for anybody?
3: Yeah. So I was trying to figure out, uh, and on 355 paragraph 11. So he's talks what we have looked upon. So is that the blessed Wait, or is it, he's referring to the previous paragraph, uh, paragraph 10. So, uh, what, What is, I'll just ask, what, the what and the it, we would behold it shining, what we have looked upon. What are we looking on? We're looking on.
4: Our one true self.
3: Is that what it says up there?
4: uh, Yeah, in 10 it does.
3: Okay. Okay. The true self, so that's just co-creator with God, all right. You're on page
1: 355 of the text?
3: Yeah. Because he, he does that a lot. He's, he just throws out there what we have looked upon, and we would see it everywhere. And then I forget, well, wait a minute, what was the it and, the, <laughs> and the, what we looked upon? And then you have to go back to the previous paragraph to figure out what the what is and what the it is that we're looking on.
4: It's it's Jesus's tricky way of getting us to reread it <laughs> and reread it and reread it. <laughs> it works. <laughs> it's a little devil. I've got arrows now from the what up to back to self. I, I decided to put those arrows in there. I wasn't gonna like try and go back and try to find it again. <laughs> One of the things, two of the things that Ken would always emphasize is, um, in general, that I always it was always helpful to remind me um, was one this this course is not addressed to Tim as a brain, as a body, as a personality. This course is really addressed to the decision maker, the that internal part of me that's choosing in any given moment between the ego. And separation or the Holy Spirit and forgiveness, that this course is really directed to that seeming part of myself, not, not to Tim as Tim. The other thing is that this is never, ever, ever, <laughs> 99.9% of the time it, this is not a course about behavior, fixing the world, even fixing Tim, che- seek not to, like Tony was saying, seek not to change your mind, uh, seek not to change the world. This is not a course about behavior. This is totally a course about who I'm seeing the world with, who I'm seeing Tim with, my sense of self. Am I seeing my sense of self and the world through the, through the eyes of the ego, and then I'm off and running, and I'm not even admitting I'm doing that, and I will find victims and victimizers? Or am I seeing the world and the stick figure in the world the way the Holy Spirit sees? So it's a course about perception. It's never, ever, ever. And if 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 course students, <laughs> most course students, go down that road, and it, it's easy to do that in the beginning, for sure. But even today, most course students, most course groups still go down that road. This is about behavior. This is about fixing the world. Even though there's glaring lines in there, <laughs> there is no world. Why would you want to fix it? Change your mind, not the world. I mean, I mean somehow we phase all that stuff out. <laughs> and then we, we become crusader rabbit. We're gonna fix everything. <laughs> We're gonna make everybody happy. <laughs> they only if when they find out about the course, they're gonna start smiling. That's <laughs> yeah, nah, nah, not, not what he's trying to get us to do. <laughs> this is a course of bad perception. Always that. <laughs> Only that, (laughs) you know, the behavior will come from it. You know, I I won't beat myself up so much anymore. I won't beat you up anymore. (laughs) I won't be running around trying to find people to judge all the time. You know, my behavior will automatically change. He he says your forehead will look more serene. (laughs) You'll smile a little bit more. You won't take things so seriously. That's a good thing. (laughs) That was good for me. (laughs)
1: yeah that's great um we we actually there's actually enumerated and tim and lynn you had put this on the website with the link which was great so if we go to page 96 of the text it actually is gonna gonna take us to The alternative to projection. The alternative to projection. So we know we've identified the one problem we have, and now we have an alternative to projection. Um, It starts out and it says, any split mind, any split in mind must involve a rejection of part of it. And this is the belief in separation. So that's how we had the, the first the first step. And it talks a lot, and it, it, it mentions a lot. And I like this term because it seems to be helpful. Uh, separation and dissociation. Uh, I think is how that's pronounced. Dissociation, not disassociation, but dissociation. Uh, <clears throat> and then it going down to line, the end of line five, and that it once it occurs, projection becomes its main defense and or the device that keeps it going, which we talked about already. The reason, however, may not be so obvious as you think. So what you project, you disown. The term disown is, is the, the, the mechanism that I project it out and then I don't have to I don't have to own that anymore. I disown that. Um, Yet projection will always hurt you. It reinforces your belief in your own split mind. This is paragraph three. Yet projection will always hurt you. It reinforces your belief in your own split mind. And its only purpose is to keep the separation going. So it is purposive in, in, in this seemingly destructive way or non-inhibits us. It is solely a device of the ego to make you feel different from your brothers and separated from them. And then line five below says, "Projection projection and attack are inevitably related. Projection is always a means of justifying attack. So we can really get in the game then. We can attack, too. Uh, We have learned, however, there is an alternative to projection. The great news. Every ability of the ego has a better use because its abilities are directed by the mind, which has a better voice. And these are both voices capitalized. The Holy Spirit
0: extends and the ego projects. So, it's obvious what ego projects, but what
1: does Holy Spirit extension look like? I don't know. Um, it's obviously beyond, the, beyond what the Course is, is meant to, is designed to show us. But, you know, but it, it, it does talk about extension a lot.
7: I I sometimes think picture an extension ladder just because it's such an easy reference. I figure you can extend the ladder and it's still the same ladder, but it's just now it includes more. So I, I, I think that's for me, at least a helpful, really obvious metaphor. Whereas projection, you're taking something, you say, get it away from me. Not on my mind's backyard out of here. (laughs) You're you're hurling it over the fence of, of, of the belief in separation. Right. Whereas the, Extension is like okay, it's still the same thing, it's just now there's, there's a, a, bigger, a bigger identity, you know, more inclusive identity.
1: It's, it's, I almost think of a fire truck, you know, like the extension ladder of a fire truck.
4: <clears throat> it, well, it certainly doesn't spell it out here, but what's being projected all the time is <laughs> the G word <laughs> it's not God, <laughs> it's guilt. That's why guilt and anger are so connected. So, for example, so we do this crazy thing internally where we choose the ego instead of the Holy Spirit. And then rather than fess up to that, we take that thought and we project it on the world and we say the reason we're upset and feeling bad isn't because I did something that stupid internally. <laughs> I chose the voice of separation. But now, is look what they're doing. Look what the political bad guys are doing. Look what the COVID's doing. Look what the economy's doing. So we we take that and then so we don't call it guilt very much. Certainly not guilt in the news but we we certainly say who's to blame. And then we get mad at them. If they're they're causing all this distress, then I have a right. I have justified anger. I should be mad at them. So that's why this idea of projection of guilt specifically, is I take my guilt for believing I separated. I project it out there, and then without even admitting, even getting close to admitting I did that, I will find bad guys. And in time and space, there's lots of them. (laughs) There's lots of them, and we will find them. But if it's true that they're just a projection of my own guilt, and it's got nothing to do. I mean, at times, space people do terrible things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and they're guilty of it. But what's that got to do with me if I'm a son of God? What's that got to do with them if they're a son of God? If their innocence and my innocence is still intact, and I'm refusing to see that, I'm using that guilt project it out. And now I'm mad at them because they're the guilty party. So I mean, it's a direct correlation. You can't project guilt without getting mad at somebody or something for causing, believing that they ripped me off. They stole my peace. That's why, I mean, this chapter starts, you know, talking about anger for the first time, real time in the Course. We're, we're mad. <laughs> I mean, and worse, it's not justified, at least not from Jesus' point of view. But it, it insists, I know, I'm upset for the reason I think, I know who's to blame, and they should be punished, and I'm mad. <laughs> justified anger. In the 12 steps, Bill Wilson said in one of his uh, writings that, <laughs> he said, Alcoholics don't, don't have the privilege or have the, uh, what was, I can't remember the word, the, uh, the something of having justified anger. Because it would cause them all to drink. (laughs) You can't believe in justified anger and not drink. You can't believe in justified anger and not be invested in the ego. (laughs) And not be hell-bent on punishing somebody. (laughs) So, So, yeah, and so when he says, paragraph two, line one, what you project you disown. You project your own guilt, and then you you pretend it's not your guilt. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) really? I did that? (laughs) I thought I was a nice guy. (laughs) I thought I was mad because they were the bad guys, not me. You know, and and then that line Jim just read, paragraph 4, line 3, the Holy Spirit extends forgiveness. The Holy Spirit gives the blessing of, and the awareness of, we are still God's Son in spite of what we did. And the ego projects guilt. Guilt is alive and well, but it's in you, not me. And I prove it to myself because I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad at you for doing what you did or didn't do. Which nice trick. Is- it's a nice trick. <laughs> we tricked ourselves, though. <laughs> really
1: clever. Really clever. Gee, if paragraph six, just one line, the first line of paragraph six, I, I had to look at it. How else can you find joy in a joyous place, except by realizing that you are not there. And I think, you know, I think we, we used to, we used to say this more, deal with this more as like, you know, the, the only person who's, you know, not you know, the only one mind who's not in heaven right now is mine. I mean, everybody else is, you know, like getting back to that responsibility of like, I don't have to fix the whole world, it's just one mind, it's just one. My one mind is all I have to, see, you know, see correctly, and it'll be realized. Mm-hmm.
4: Lynn, are you trying to, Lynn, you saying Lynn Corona?
2: Oh, um, yeah, I was there a little bit ago. One, one of, um, I think, one of the clearest statements in A Course of Miracles uh, about how, how we see is on page 231. I uh, use it a lot. Uh, Paragraph seven, I said before that what you project or extend is up to you, but you must do one or the other, for that is the law of mind. And you must look in before you look out. As you look in, you choose the God for seeing. Who do I want to be my teacher, the ego or the Holy Spirit? And then you look out and you behold his witnesses. This is why you find what you seek, what you want in yourself, you will make manifest. And you will accept it from the world because you put it there by wanting it. In other words, do I, do I want to see the presence of the Holy Spirit? who I've chosen as my teacher, or do I want to see the witnesses to the ego? It's it's real clear and it's real simple. And all we have to do is admit that the world we're seeing is the one we want to see.
1: Mm. Yeah. Thank you,
2: Lynn.
1: Yeah, you bet. And on a similar, I'd like to close with a, uh, unless anybody had anything
4: else they wanted to share or anything. I just wanted to uh, share, I wanted to share that um, Ken did this really unusual little seminar. He went up to Northern California at one point to Maria Young's little Miracle Center. And he did this, uh, he, I, and I never heard him say this anywhere else, but he was talking about, uh, the history of the 20th century, and, and, and what he considered the two most holy books. Mm. And one, he said, interesting enough, um, was uh, The Interpretation of Dreams by Freud. He thought that was, it just really changed everything. He said the second book, of course, was The Course. <laughs> but, and he's also insisted in other places that um, The Course could not have come along unless Freud had laid down this whole idea of projection that we, we we took this internal stuff and we could put it out there and believe we had displaced it it wasn't ours anymore and without that awareness without that laying that foundation um, the uh, you know the, the course wouldn't make sense to us and the other interesting thing he said, <laughs> this is kind of Carl Jung bashing, but he said if Carl Jung had, had picked up that thread and gone where he could have gone, we wouldn't have needed the course, which is really wild stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I just threw out, anyway, and the, and the thing's called the Vedonic something. Do you remember the name of it, Lynn? The, and it's only a little oh, two CD. set. The,
2: the, the Freudian Vedanta.
4: Is that what it is?
2: The Freudian Vedanta. He was referring to the Course as the Freudian Vedanta.
4: And it's the only, it's the only place I've ever heard him talk about that from that perspective of, of, of his, historically what he thought were the two most holy books. Thanks. Yeah, yeah thanks.
1: Anything else? Anybody have anything? So the section this is still in 21 um just a couple pages beyond where we were um and it's under section 2 which is page 448 and and it's under the title or it's titled the responsibility for site what what Ross was referring to what is site, you know, the responsibility for sight. Um, and I'm. I, what I'd like to do is just, just read that, the, the little italicized section there after paragraph two, in the middle of paragraph two, there's an italicized section there. Um, and it, that's just, the, I'd like to conclude with that. So we'll do, we'll, we'll read that and just take a minute be with it. Um, So the responsibility for sight. I am responsible for what I see. I choose the feelings I experience and I decide upon the goal I would achieve. And everything that seems to happen to me, I ask for and receive as I have asked. And we could gently come back. I don't know if it's just my edition or I I think Am is actually bold faced in that in my on my edition. Is it in other people's? Mm-hmm. Is it bold faced? Yep. I, I never remember seeing that anywhere else yep. in the course.
4: Yep. Oh it is. Jesus went through everybody's book last night. And <laughs> did that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, think it, I think because, you know, like when he wants something to stand out, he puts it in italics. But if it's already in italics, he made a boldface to kind of make it stand out. That's what I'm guessing.
7: <laughs> I was just going to add that uh, the word seems appears a lot of places and, and appears and seems and, and uh, kind of reminder that, Everything that seems to happen to me is mm-hmm. <laughs> a reminder. It's like it, it's it's yeah. not out there. <laughs> this morning, I I found somebody shared something on Facebook, an interesting thing about C, by C.S. Lewis about not making a big deal about you know political things that come and go. And so I posted on Facebook, and I was remembered a quote from uh, physicist John Wheeler, who says said that there's no out there out there. Yeah, kind <laughs> so kind of fits pretty nicely with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
7: The cause has never left the mind, right? <laughs> no matter which thought system we're using.
4: Yeah. I remember when I, and this goes back to what Ross was saying, it's not, it's not that Tim is Tim decided. It's not Tim that's responsible for everything that he thinks he sees. It's the mind of Tim, whether the mind of Tim chose the ego or the Holy Spirit. So... Tim doesn't have a mind. The mind has Tim, and then Tim is running around. So I remember in the early days at Roscoe, I had a real hard time feeling, not feeling like I was the victim of my decision maker. <laughs> like, why in the hell did a decision maker choose something else so I don't have to be going through all this? <laughs> Sometimes I still feel that way. <laughs> Come on, get with it, decision maker.
7: Even in your chart, Tim, behind you, it says Tim in space most of the time. (laughs) Because your head covers the E, right?
4: (laughs) There's a Tim in victim. That's the worst part. (laughs) Not that I ever took that personally. (laughs)
1: Good job, Jim.
4: Thanks. Thank you all. Appreciate it so much. Thank
6: you, Jim. Great class. Thank you.
0: Thank you, you, Tim. Great class. Thank you. Thanks.